Welcome into another edition of Ask the Experts. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dave Callender, and back with us on the show uh, from Remax Twin City Realty. It's it's Canada's number one real estate agent, Faisal Suzywala. Hi, Faisal. How are you? Hi, David. Fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, glad to have you back. We we made it through 2020. Uh, here we are in a brand new year, uh, and I think as with everyone, we're looking forward to uh, better things this year. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. I hope you had a nice holiday season. I did, and I hope you did as well. Uh, but yeah, it's it's hard to believe that we're this far into January already. It's 2021, and uh, we're already almost a month in. So uh, I guess on the show today, we should be talking about what happened last year, how things ended, and where they're going uh, for this year. But before we do that, we want to uh, tell our listeners who haven't heard Faisal on the show before that when I say you're Canada's number one real estate agent, it's it's not hyperbole. You you really are. You've got the book to prove it. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, yes, uh, the book is uh, doing very well. Uh, we're still ranking uh, very high on the Amazon bestseller list and uh, very excited to get into as many hands as we can. There's a lot of valuable information for uh, realtors, consumers, investors, and especially young people uh, to really learn a little bit about financial literacy, which we talked about uh, in one of our episodes. So if you're looking for a copy of the book, you just have to go to amazon.ca and type in Faisal's name or the real deal and it will come up. It'll be the first hit uh, to, to go to on Amazon. So glad that that's going well. So yeah, the last time I talked to you was just before the holidays, I guess, around that time in 2020. Uh, uh, lots has happened since then around in the world. So how did 2020 end up uh, in the real estate market? Well, you know, I, I guess maybe we start with how it started. And, uh, you know, we came out of 2019 uh, with, uh, you know, record highs in sales, record lows in inventory. Um, and January, February, and most of March were on a very good pattern. Uh, we were expecting anywhere from 5 to 7% uh, growth in that calendar year. And of course, uh, mid-March to the third week of March, we, we got a lockdown and um, everything just sort of stopped. Um, and I recall going online um, on YouTube and on my social media platforms, and advising people that, you know, it's best to do nothing is just to stop what you're doing, don't panic sell. And what, what we saw happen in, in early parts of April is people were panicking, and I, and I like to call it pandemic selling, um, where they would just put their home on the market because they thought the world was coming to an end. And if they didn't get out now, they would uh, just, and, and, you know, the media uh, and, and the big banks were, were talking a lot about the outlook for 2020 and it was it was not good it was you know expect prices to fall 20 or 25 percent expect uh, uh this surge of inventory in the marketplace because people are just going to be not able to afford because of the lockdown and and whatnot and what was interesting is that it created this this backlog it created this high level of demand lack of inventory and people who waited and did not put their homes on the market were able to come out way further ahead than those who sold in April and May. And the opposite of what the big banks were saying happened. We actually increased, especially in our region, by 20 to 25%. 
And I attribute that to de-urbanization, people leaving the big cities, looking for more space, the ability to work from home, and all of that compiled into this high demand. Now, of course, the shortage of uh, homes created this multiple offer phenomenon, which we've, we've had for the last few years. But instead of getting 5% over asking, we're seeing 15%, 20%. And um, the year ended on a very high note where we would typically find you know, the spring market to be the strongest. Everything got advanced into the summer market and then it got advanced into the fall market. And, and, and a market that we normally don't have a lot of action in is that November to December. But again, November and December were record-breaking months, prices continued to rise, and we saw another 3 to 5% increase even over the fall, uh, right through to Christmas. So it was a phenomenal year. Uh, it was great for homeowners, uh, very difficult for buyers. Um, and, you know, I, and I've said this, that there's a lot of people begrudging sellers making out like bandits and you know getting all this return on their on their homes but what people don't realize is especially in our uh, region when mississauga milton toronto were enjoying growth of 15 to 20 percent annually our region was only getting two to three percent so yes the prices may seem like they're very high right now in our region but what we've essentially done is played catch up and we're seeing well-deserved returns for hardworking people who sacrificed to own their first home or, or buy that home and gave up holidays and gave up, you know, going out and buying that new car just to have home ownership. So I, I say, I say from, a, from a seller's perspective, you know, congratulations to those who have made some money finally on their real estate investments. And I expect, uh, you know, a, a very good year coming ahead. So throughout uh, 2020, you mentioned that we had that multiple offer situation and you differed slightly from a lot of other realtors in that you still continued to try and do in-person tours of homes. But a lot of those multiple offer situations were with people who had not even physically been to the house they were bidding on, correct? Yes. And, and you know, that, that was happening and that was happening a lot in uh, the, the midst of that major lockdown, you know, March, April. Um, it is the largest investment one is going to make. And I'm all for technology. Uh, do the virtual tour, do the interactive floor plans, uh, watch the videos, do all of that legwork, drive by the neighborhood, do everything but enter the home until you absolutely feel comfortable and confident that that is the right home. But before you make that purchase, it just makes sense to uh, walk through that home, of course, using all the protocols um, required to make sure you're safe and that the homeowners are safe and everyone around you is safe. But um, yeah, I, I, I've never been a believer in just buying virtually. Um, there were a few transactions that we had where buyers were making virtual offers uh, or offers that were made from virtual tours. Um, and there were a lot of complications involved at the time of closing when the final walkthrough happened and they discovered items that they didn't expect, like seeing mold in the basement or uh, catching a leak under the sink or um, just, you know, little odds and ends because, you know, let's face it, photography can be flattering uh, and in person may not be as flattering. So now that... Uh, 
as we both kind of predicted might happen, we are in a, a second wave, um, uh, another lockdown. How, how are things going to start off the year? Are people going back to doing the, just the virtual tours or are people still actually going and taking a look at homes? Well, we're encouraging the virtual tours. We're, we're encouraging uh, people not to buy or sell unless it's a, absolutely essential. Um, look, this is going to cause another backlog. Everything that happened in 2020 is going to happen again. I don't expect a 20 to 25% increase in values this year. I don't think that's sustainable, but I do expect another eight to 10%. I think there's still room. We're already seeing it just the first couple of weeks of this year, we've already seen multiple offers coming in on properties on homes that, you know, an average home that would have been $600,000, I'm seeing selling for seven dollars to $800,000. So there's some incredible amount of uh, appreciation that people are experiencing on values. And it's very frustrating for the buyer. It's going to be very frustrating for them to get financing because are those homes appraising? And that's very important to look at the appraisals have not caught up to market value. And typically an appraisal can take in, into consideration values over a six to 12 month period and get some feel for what the market is doing. But when you're increasing values uh, two to 3% per month, it's very hard to catch up. Um, so there's a lot of adjustments that are going on right now, um, but we expect that, uh, yeah, that trend's going to continue and there's still a lack of inventory. We're going to continue to see lack of inventory. We're going to see con continue to see high demand, especially for um, people from east of our region coming in. Now, that gap has started to really narrow uh, where, you know, as an example, uh, Cambridge, Kitchener, Waterloo may have been 20% less in value than Milton was. Uh, I'm seeing it closer to 10%. Uh, and, and that's unbelievable because there were times that we were 30% less than what Milton was. So will that continue? People may stop in Milton instead of coming into the region of Waterloo if the gap is only 5 to 7% between the two areas. Because again, proximity to Toronto is important, is becoming less important as people choose to work from home. I think that people are going to choose to work from home. We're seeing tons of office space becoming available. And that's a sign that um, big corporations have decided that we're just as efficient working from home as we are leasing thousands and thousands of square feet. So again, probably off topic, but it's, I think it's going to be difficult for uh, any sort of commercial office space uh, landlords to keep those spaces filled. But as people require more home use with schooling, with office work, um, people are just looking at coming into the suburbs, finding more land, finding larger spaces, finding more amenity space in their homes. <clears throat> so the outlook again is, it's, it's going to be very difficult for buyers, it's gonna be great for sellers. But remember, if you're a seller, unless you're cashing out and moving out of the country, uh, you've got to buy again. And my advice to people right now is given the economic climate of um, not being able to purchase homes, you don't want to sell your home in January 15th money and try to buy a home February 15th because there's a possibility that the value of your home has gone up and you've already settled at a price and the value of the home that you're going to be trying to purchase is going up and you're competing to buy that home. 
So my advice to buyers is to purchase before you sell. Once you've purchased, uh, and I know that's a risk involved. And of course, uh, with, with, with myself, with Remax, we have a guarantee program where if we tell you you're going to get X amount of dollars for your home, you will get that amount of money on the date of closing, regardless of whether or not your home is sold. So you can purchase a home without a condition, knowing that we backed you on that purchase. Um, financing is getting difficult. As I mentioned, appraised values may not come in at uh, the expectation or at the purchase price. So be sure to check off all those boxes on your financing end before you make the offer. If you're only coming in with a certain amount of down payment and your purchase price does not um, meet the appraised value, you're going to have to make the shortfall. So again, make sure you have some backing on that. But with the lowest interest rates in history, and appreciation like we've never seen before, uh, something interesting has happened. A home that was valued at $600,000, for example, uh, and you, at when the interest rates were, say, 3%, there was a certain qualified buyer for that home. So 3% interest, I can afford X amount of dollars, allows me to buy a $600,000 home. When the interest rates dropped to 1.6% or 1.75%, what happens is that $600,000 home now becomes $800,000 because the affordability of that buyer increases. So it doesn't mean that they're necessarily buying a better home. They're just paying more for the same home. The same holds true if interest rates go up. If interest rates today went up to 5%, property values will drop. There's no question. That's the balance. So people may expect that I can buy a townhouse right now for $550,000. Well, maybe when the rates were 3%, that townhome was $550,000. But your buying power increased, which means that that townhouse is now selling for $600,000 or $625,000. So people are under this misconception that as interest rates decline, that they're going to be able to buy a better home. They're buying the same home at a higher price. And what is going to happen, in your opinion, with interest rates in 2021? Are they going to stay historically low? Well, I think that, you know, with all the relief programs, um, and again, I'm not an economist, but with the relief programs that are being introduced, um, if the rates start going up, it would have an adverse effect on the economy, would have an adverse effect on everything. So I believe the rates will continue to stay low. I never expected that the five-year rate's gonna be, you know, 1.7% or 1.6%. So when I see those kinds of rates, there's a, a long way to go before we hit 3%. That's double what it is. And 3% was actually a very good interest rate um, not that long ago. So, 5% was a very good rate. I've, I, when I started in this industry, interest rates were 13.5%. My parents bought a house at 21% in 1982. So you can see you know, different rates um, having an impact, but your buying power is not getting you as much of a home as it was when the interest rates were, were at a higher rate. So you're recommending to people who want to sell a home to find their next home before they even put the house on the market. Uh, that seems counterintuitive, but uh, during these times, it isn't. Is there been any other time in your, your history where you've told people buy a house before selling? 
Um, you know what? Normally, we don't encourage that type of behavior because you could end up owning two homes. Now, personally speaking, because I have a guarantee program, I like to make sure that my purchaser, who is also my seller, uh, doesn't end up homeless. So I like to ensure that I've secured their position. And when I'm telling them, don't worry, your home is going to be sold, it's because I've put my money where my mouth is and given, given them a written guarantee that on the closing date, they're going to receive the full funds that I've promised that their home will sell for. And you know, on average in, in a year, uh, these days we don't have to worry too much about those guarantees because most homes sell within a, within a week. But um, you know, in 2010, 2008, uh, I would give on average 30 to 35 guarantees a year and might end up buying one or two homes a year because for whatever reason, the home didn't sell or the timelines didn't work out. So now that's for sellers, for people who are, just wanting to buy even like a first home, what is your advice for, for those buyers? So a lot of people have been since 2017, been sitting on the sidelines, um, wishing or hoping for doom and gloom in the real estate market and all the naysayers, you know, every time I've gone onto a YouTube channel or my social media platform and would say, look, prices are going up. I get hate mail saying, you know, you don't know what you're talking about and the market's going to crash. Well, here we are three years later, four years later, and the market is continuing to rise. It, you have to look at the needs of the people. There is so much uh, demand and so little inventory. So we're going to see uh, the prices continuing to climb. So if you're waiting on the sidelines, waiting for a price drop, I think you're going to be very disappointed by the end of this year. I'm encouraging people to get in. You've never looked back five years and said, I'm glad I waited. You know, you're all, I've always looked back five years and said, I wish I had bought more. I wish I had bought more investment properties. I wish I had invested more in real estate because it's continued to grow, especially in our region. So I have no reason to think that prices are going to drop. Look, over a long period of time, you're going to get little, you know, peaks and valleys. But overall, um, the market has always increased. Nobody's building, nobody's creating more land. We've got what we've got. And we're going to start seeing high rise developments um, already. Uh, I know in, in our region, we're seeing um, uh, zone changes happening. Uh, the smart center lands and large parcels of commercial land is being looked at now for rezoning purposes, for regeneration. So when this type of environment is coming into our market, there's going to be even a greater demand for people to um, own homes and get into homes. And I've said this many times before, that if you're a young person, partner up with your family, with your parents, with your friends, even if you choose to stay at home, purchase a property, rent out that property, live at home, at least have your money in this vehicle that's appreciating, as opposed to sitting in your bank account, hoping for the market to crash, because I don't expect that's going to happen. And uh, Faisal, before the break, we were talking about first time home buyers. And there are a lot of first time home buyers right now that if you talk to them about getting into the market, you're going to say, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I really don't. I just I waited too long or, or something along those lines. So what's your advice for someone who's desperately trying to get into the housing market? So it's interesting right now, and, and you know, as an investor and, and investment clients that I have, I've seen rental rates right now that I've never seen before. You know, a townhouse is renting 
as $2,300 or $2,400 a month. So if you're renting and your hopes is to purchase a home, your first home, if you simply go and talk to your banker and show them what your monthly expenses are right now in rent, I can assure you that with today's interest rates, you can purchase a home and it may not be in the heart of the city. You may have to go out a little bit, you know, drive 30 minutes, 40 minutes, but your rental payment is going to waste. It's, it's paying down your landlord's mortgage. What you can do is see what your cost of living is. Now apply that to your mortgage and see what you qualify for. Again, we talked about how low the interest rates are and historically they're at the lowest I've seen them. Um, it's a good time to get qualified. I know that the other part of it is down payment. What a lot of people don't realize is that there are programs, there are CMHC programs. Go online, Canada Mortgage Housing Corporation. Go online and see what programs are available. Write down to CMHC will partner with you on your down payment to allow you. I don't recommend these, but if it's a last resort, if you don't have any other option, I would rather see you partnering with CMHC, with family members, with a friend, and getting your money into real estate than to sitting on the sidelines, paying rent, letting that money go to waste, and watching the market appreciate. You're just getting further and further behind from entering the market. Another thing is those of, uh, of, of us who have RSPs that have regular contributions, you can extract RSP money as a first-time home buyer and use that as your down payment. Now you have a tax advantage because you're getting tax-free money out of your RSPs as a first-time home buyer. You also have land transfer tax advantage because you're exempt up to a certain point. And again, every uh, province is different, but if you go online, you could put in the land transfer tax, uh, sorry, the purchase price on the land transfer tax app and see exactly what you're gonna qualify for, what the tax would be and what your exemption is going to be. Um, so those are some programs. The region of Waterloo has uh, housing uh, pro, uh, mandates and, and projects available as well. So like, look at all the different options, speak to your banker, create a way to purchase that first home. There, maybe it's a seller take back mortgage, um, depending on what you're purchasing. Maybe it's the home that you're living in. If you're renting right now, ask your landlord if they're interested in selling it to you. Perhaps they'll hold a mortgage for you a small amount, even if it's not the entire, and then you can get a mortgage from the bank. So there are so many different ways. The, the point is don't wait, like get into the market now before it's too late and before it gets way ahead of us. And then you're really looking at traveling even further west. But, you know, hot, hot areas of our region right now that I'm recommending, Brantford, Paris, Air, St. George, uh, Woodstock, Ingersoll, Tilsonburg, all of these here, Elmira, Stratford. Don't be afraid of looking at those areas, especially if you're working from home. Commuting may not be the factor anymore. And as people are able to work from home, living in these other communities now actually makes sense for them because they're not having to worry about gas and buying that additional car or lease payment. So put that money Put that extra money that you're not spending on gas and car leases and whatnot towards your down payment or towards purchasing your home. Now, I just want to go back a second to something you mentioned at the start of, of the segment. You said it's not something you'd recommend as a first choice, but you can partner with CMHC. What is it they're actually offering through CMHC? 
So um, there, there are so many provisions on it, but in, in a nutshell, um, you know, if you need 10% down and you've only got 5%, then they will match that, but then you become a partner with them. So when you sell that property, they're entitled, just like a partnership, to some of the gains that you're getting. So if you go on to the Canada Mortgage Housing uh, site, uh, it's all spelt out there. And again, I don't feel that it's the best, but if that's the only option, you don't have anybody else to help you with your down payment, then certainly that's something to consider. Again, it's better to be in the game than watching it from the sidelines. Absolutely. So let's move on to talk a little bit about uh, inventory now. You mentioned briefly that a lot of commercial space uh, with people not working in offices anymore, I've heard lots about uh, commercial spaces becoming housing. Is that happening in our region? Well, I, I think it's going to happen, but before it happens in our region, I think it's going to happen in the GTA. There are high rises of office buildings that I anticipate are going to turn into residential condos. Now, what that's also going to have is, is unintended consequences. All those residential condos that are being built that people bought two years ago with occupancy, say for 2024, 2025, they're gonna have a little bit of a problem on their hands. The GTA condo market has been so out of hand for so many years. You know, when you're paying 15, 16, $1,700 per square foot for a condo downtown Toronto, it's not sustainable. I, I don't buy into that. And the unfortunate part is, that speculation has entered the market in GTA and, 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 and in our area as well, somewhat, where people were purchasing these properties with assignment clauses. And I think that they're going to be in big trouble when it actually comes time to closing. I don't think they're going to A, be able to afford to close those. B, I don't think those units are going to appraise. I don't believe the valuation is going to be there. So they're going to have the opposite problem that we're having in our region, they're gonna to have too much inventory and not enough takers. I've never seen rental markets decline, but in GTA, I've seen free rent being offered, 30% less rent, uh, all kinds of incentives for people to rent. The whole Airbnb market has gone by the wayside as well in those areas. And again, because of COVID, and hopefully it's a temporary thing, but I've never been a firm believer in investing in downtown Toronto condos. I felt it was overpriced a few years ago. I feel it's definitely overpriced right now. Maybe there's going to be deals to be had, but there's probably a good 20% decline in that market. So stay away from co Toronto condos. All right. So let's talk about what's happening a little closer to home then. What is the inventory uh, situation here in KW? Um, it's, you know, I, I think the last numbers I saw, there were less than 180 homes on the market. And I mean, we're used to having a thousand homes on the market. So we're probably at 20% of the market of inventory that we'd like to see on the market. And that's the reason for these multiple offers. And that's going to continue to be. There are, um, you know, projects coming on with new home construction, that type of thing. And, you know, we'll, we can dive into that in a bit. But as far as resale homes, there is no inventory, even on a rental basis. Um, would you believe we're getting multiple offers on rental properties? So that tells us that there's a large population within the region that is seeking housing and there's just not enough availability of it. So obviously it's very low. What is though, what sort of inventory are we seeing? What sort of properties are still out there? 
Um, I think it's, it's it's an array of different things. You know, we're seeing a lot more higher end homes coming on the market than we have uh, in in a long time, and it's it's a little surprising because typically the high end homes. I'm talking the million plus, and and believe it or not, a million plus is not going to be higher end anymore with the way the prices have been increasing. So even 1.5 million, $5 million homes have been entering the market and they're selling. I think that's largely because when that gap from, from the average price point starts catching up to a higher end price point, people who are waiting for their values to go up in higher end, higher end traditionally, you know, if you had a $2 million home, it was kind of a $2 million home. It didn't really fluctuate much, didn't go up, didn't go down. Whereas if you had a $500,000 home, you may have enjoyed a 15% or 20% increase over the ownership of that home. Um, but the higher end stuff didn't because there wasn't a lot of demand. Now with multi-generational living, with de-urbanization, de with people coming with lots of money out of GTA, out of Vancouver, wherever the larger centers are, there's now a market for high-end and we're seeing high-end homes starting to sell. But that's that's a new level of inventory that we haven't been accustomed to that we're seeing now. Um, a lot of uh, condos are starting to hit the market. Um, I do know that a lot of condo developers have decided to put the pause button on building new condo buildings. Um, Part one, costs have gone up. You know, price of steel has gone up. Price of wood has gone up. Lump, uh, uh, you're talking about labor, availability of labor. You know, so all of these things are having an impact. So we're not, so we're seeing some resale condos come on the market because there are not a lot of brand new homes in, in the way of high-rise condos on the market. Um, a lot of people that were, uh, holding investment properties for years, and maybe they're coming to a point where they're retiring, are now starting to liquidate those assets. So those are good opportunities to look for. And it's very important to align yourself with a good realtor that can keep you informed when some properties like that come onto the market, because it's going to come down to uh, whoever triggers the quickest is going to have the ability to purchase a home. Um, and that's something we haven't seen, or I haven't seen at least in my 30 years plus of, of, of being in this business. So everything is coming, but it's coming very limited quantities. Okay, so our, our choices are going to be slim, but if we're about to choose, where should uh, buyers be focused? Are you recommending new or resale? So um, a little bit of a caution with new. Uh, builders have now realized what's happening in the resale market. And they're saying, wow, you know, we bought our land at X amount of dollars per front foot, expecting to sell the property at so much per square feet. But when they look at the resale market, so uh, for example, if, if a townhome builder um, saw a resale townhome that was equal in size, sell for, you know, $500 a foot, let's just say. For argument's sake, and they were originally going to launch that townhome project at four hundred and fifty dollars a foot. They've decided, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And they're 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 releasing at incremental values. So let's say there's forty units that that builder is going to be releasing. Well, the builder may release ten units at say five hundred thousand dollars. The next ten units they'll jump them to 525. So by the time you get into the last phase, you're paying $600,000 for that. So what we're seeing now is people, and I'm not saying that it's wrong, 
They've invested their money. They're, they're investors, they're builders. They're there to make money. But we're seeing this it's almost getting away from us. The real values are starting to get away from us. So be very careful not to get caught up in the moment of, I got to secure this property at any cost. I mean, the new developments that I've done, I, I'll get a call saying, uh, in fact, I had four brand new homes that I put on the market just before Christmas. We had 49 offers and brand new homes that were just listed where the builder was happy with a certain price point we sold on average for $120,000 over asking. This is new development, new homes. So it wasn't, they get in line and sign up. So four homes at $120,000 above asking, the builder's very happy because they almost got a half a million dollars more than they expected when they started that process a week prior. So this is going to start happening in the marketplace. I think the lineups are going to be gone as far as waiting outside of a, of a new home development. It's going to be more of a, hey, you get the opportunity to come in on this date and you've got one hour to make a decision, bring your checkbook or your credit card if you want the unit. So it's going to become very difficult to get into new, but also don't get caught up in that moment and overpay because it's a new home. Builders have realized that buyers have become accustomed to multiple offers and overpaying. So they're starting at those high prices now. Um, when inventory starts coming back into the market and things start relaxing a little bit, we're going to see things level off. I don't expect a decline. Um, so I still prefer that purchasers be able to go and buy a resale home as opposed to brand new. As an investor, if you're investing in a townhome um, or, or, or a condo or whatever it may be, um, new is a good option. But again, don't get caught up in it and, and make sure you're, you're logically looking at it compared to that neighborhood. If you're buying a brand new home in a neighborhood, make sure you compare to all of the homes that are resale in that neighborhood. So if the builder is asking $100,000 more than the average semi or townhome is selling in that neighborhood, probably not a good idea to pay that premium uh, for a new home. On the show today, I'm joined by Faisal Suziwala of Remax Twin City Realty. Find out more online at homeshack.com or pick up the phone and call 519-624-5555. Uh, if you're just joining us partway through the show, we've been spending most of the hour talking about uh, what's coming for 2021. And uh, I think we've decided there's still going to be a lack of inventory, uh, but people still need to get into the housing market as soon as they can. I'm curious what you think is going to happen when cross fingers, our lives start getting back to some semblance of normal. A vaccine is out now when uh, months down the road, when a lot more Canadians have the vaccine and hopefully numbers are going down. What do you see changing as we get back to normal? Well, this, this lockdown is creating pent up demand. So we're going to see a surge of activity from buyers trying to get into the market. Um, I've conservatively said eight to 10% is what I expect. Um, it could actually get really out of hand and go up even more. Um, so we're going to see basically much of the much of the same as what we saw in 2020 coming into May, June, and July. I expect that to happen. I also expect to see people uh, who are living within the region um, looking at alternative cities and towns to live in uh, because they're going to be looking at value for their money. Uh, they may cash out at a higher 
price point, but they're going to be looking at where can we put our money in. So that's where I, you know, some of the cities that I mentioned earlier, moving further west, I think those areas are going to become very popular from a purchasing perspective uh, once we come out of this situation. And do you still think that a lot of people will continue to work from home now that it's become normal for them and, and companies have realized that it works well? Yeah, from what, I, what I'm hearing from my commercial associates is that large corporations, even within Waterloo region that had uh, brand new spaces improved for their offices have chosen to um, outsource everything to people working from home and not just within the region, all throughout the world. And they've just decided that, look, they the efficiencies are still there. People are still getting their work done. Um, overheads go down when you're not, uh, you know, leasing office space. So, yeah, I believe that uh, working from home is going to become a big part of our society. And uh, I think most people are enjoying that. Now, I want to take a few minutes before we finish up the show to talk about your book. But just before we do that, uh, for folks who joined us sort of halfway through the show, maybe you could just recap what we've talked about on the show today as we ended 2020 and going into 2021. So what we were talking about is, you know, what, what, what 2020 was like coming out of 2019. We expected, you know, uh, uh, sort of an average uh, increase in values. And then, of course, COVID happened in March and pent up demand happened and prices went up 20 to 25%, despite what the economists and the banks and everybody else was saying, um, our region enjoyed significant growth. Um, and then coming into 2021, we've already seen a surge. We saw that starting in uh, November and December and January, February, we're already seeing prices up, up to 10%. And I expect that this year is going to end up finishing at at least a 10% uh, increase over last year again. All right. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's hold up the book now. Uh, for folks who are watching on Faisal's website, you can actually see him. There's his smiling face Famous. on the book. <laughs> so Faisal, Faisal, give us the full title of the book again. So it's called uh, The Real Deal, A Journey of a Billion Dollar Real Estate Broker. Um, it basically chronicles my journey. Um, I started in the business at the age of 18. Uh, I was turned down by uh, large real estate companies. Um, so I wrote this book um, somewhat as a guide for my kids, to be honest with you, just a little bit of a diary, but uh, it turned into um, strategies, um, investor tips, um, different ways of building your portfolio. But a lot of it and the inspiration behind it was, um, you know, I've often spoke uh, to students in schools and young people um, who feel that, hey, I'm only 18 years old. Um, you know, I don't have any direction. I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Um, and, and people are feeling lost. And, you know, I was 18 when I got into this business, feeling rejection, um, being told no, being told there's no way you're going to make it. Um, people telling you, well, why would you want to be a real estate agent? You should go to university, get a real job and all that kind of stuff. You know, when you're passionate about something, uh, you make a go of it. And it, it chronicles that it talks about some of the struggles that I had, some of the experiences that I had, um, aligning myself with mentors. And it's, it's really, I want to inspire uh, young people to 
look at alternatives. You know, it's not uh, it's not a box that you have to fit within. You don't have to do what you know society expects you to do. Uh, if you're passionate about something, then do everything you can and try to be the best at it. And I've been very fortunate over my career to grow, um, you know, within the region and do things that I've enjoyed doing, getting into developments and whatnot. Um, and then I wanted to share, I'm often asked uh, by colleagues to share, you know, strategies on how did you do this or how did you do that? And I thought it would be a great idea to put all of that in my book and have it out there for people to listen to and 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 and, and look at. So it'll, it, there is an ebook, an audio version, um, and of course the um, uh, paperback as well. And are there specific chapters that, if you are a young person listening to the show today who wants to, you know, take a look, are there specific chapters that you're going to recommend to them? Yeah. So um, one of the first, uh, probably the first or second chapter, it, it talks about I was a teenage realtor. Uh, and then the second chapter talks about my mentor and what lessons I learned. Um, and then one of the other chapters talks about the struggles, including going bankrupt at the age of 19, but, you know, recovering from that um, and using those experiences as uh, lessons of and learning from those as opposed to giving up. Um, the easy thing to do is to give up. Uh, the difficult thing to do is to own it. Um, and also about being true to yourself, not faking it, not trying to be someone who you're not. And it really digs uh, deep into that whole concept of, you know, when you know who you are and when you believe in yourself, the rest will follow. And it really doesn't matter what other people think of you. Um, and, and, and some of that, really, I want to inspire young people to not feel like they don't have options because there's always, if a, if a guy like me, who, you know, had nothing and got into the back of a strawberry uh, van picking strawberries for $2 an hour can make it, so can you. And that's sort of the idea behind the whole book is to not give up, not put yourself into a category, never feel that you're not good enough because we all have something special to offer. All right. Thank you so much for uh, telling us about it again, Faisley. Of course, you can find it on amazon.ca. And thank you once again for being on the show with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure. My guest, Faisal Suziwala of Remax Twin City Realty, online at homeshack.com, the books on Amazon, and you can call him at 519-624-5555. Thanks for listening. Join us again next Saturday for more of Ask the Experts here on 570 News.